As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Yeah, you know it already. This season is hurtling towards a brutal and excruciating finale where game after game just needs to be won no matter how. Winning the title that way in 2019 was good after the title was won, but the run-in, that wasn't good for us at all, was it? You just know that that's where this season is heading again. I just hope it ends the way that that season did as well. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hiya, Sam. Hello, mate. It is going that way, isn't it? You can tell already, can't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I've yeah, I, I wrote an article basically along those lines. Uh, but as you were talking there, I was kind of thinking, what if one of the teams just just blows up completely, um, which nobody's expecting. And uh, look, no, nobody is expecting it, are they? Like a City poor enough to do that, a Liverpool poor enough to do that? No, they're not. So yeah, it it probably is, and we'll get to this. But the way the game went yesterday, you started thinking, okay, like you say the running started already has it yeah. when any win will do yeah. it's going to be like that Couple of couple of months of that, I'm not ready for it yet. But uh, no, no, it was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, first question for today's show, Sam. Um, what was with the inflatable fruit yesterday? It was completely by chance. <laughs> I, I, start of the day, I, I've seen a couple of lads I know. Literally, I, I, in fact, I'd seen them on Friday saying, you know, where where's good to buy inflatable bananas in town? And I was like, <laughs> okay, is this like is this like a planned thing? And then I saw them post pictures of them on Instagram on on Saturday, and then. Got to Goodison, you know, went to the press room, and then a mate of mine who's like a journalist normally goes out for a, for a vape. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come out and have a chat. And then the the lads are over the road um, speaking to the Everton food bank guys. Um, so I just came over for a chat, and then um, one of the, one of the lads who got he had a pineapple on him actually, the other one had a banana, <laughs> and especially because obviously this week has been quite um, I don't know quite a week. Yeah. He just thought, he thought it would be especially funny to get a picture of me with, with the pineapple first, and then they were like, "Get the banana, get the banana." So <laughs> it, it was very funny, um, yeah. and yeah, again, like because it was this, you know, this week being this week, I thought, yeah, it'd be quite funny for me to post a picture with a banana, and yeah, I, I suppose like the original tweet in the first place panned out. You know, normal people can have a laugh, and um, angry people can think it's some kind of piss take, but. 
I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the pineapple. The pineapple. And the thing is, I, the, the funny thing is, I was keeping an eye out for it, and like I could see it during the match, and then, and then I could kind of. When City was struggling a bit, I was like the, the banana and the pineapple wasn't getting much of a run out. It was like it was obviously kept down. Like <laughs> there was no cause for like it, it wasn't really a fun watch at times, was it? And then obviously when Foden scored, I just saw them both kind of get chucked, and I was like, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, you can read all of our articles on City as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Right now, you can sign up for a special price of just one pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, I am going to start this week, Sam, by reading back to you one of your own tweets from uh, just after the final whistle at Goodison Park. Uh, you said, "Wow, full time, long way to go in the title race, but you can certainly file that one under big win." Um, it was, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just one of the, everyone knows. Everyone knows what you mean. Like it's, it's a cliche, but it's such a cliche. It, well, it's it's so accurate. You can't do anything about it, but acknowledge it. Like I, I defy any analysis of this game. Other than the penalty incident, I suppose, which is fairly big, um, I'd defy any analysis of this game um, to not mention how it's a big win because yeah. it just had all the ingredients for it. Well, I uh, in in true um, style, I, uh, I I consulted Adam Hurry over this um, just to just to make sure that we were in big win territory. Adam Hurry, um, our football cliches, yeah, football cliches Officer. expert, yeah, uh, and uh, he gave me an official football cliche statement. Uh, which says uh, big wins need to be ground out affairs, ideally away from home when the points margin is no more than seven before kickoff, assuming the same number of games have been played. The long established paradigm of the big win is Blackburn nil, Chelsea won in 2005, which ended with several players throwing their shirts into the away fans. City's win at Everton on Saturday, all things considered, can be described as such. Thank you. So uh, it is it is categorically a big win. So Yeah, I mean, interesting that a Chelsea game in the middle of the Premier League era is the one. But, I mean, who am I to dispute it? And also, I'm presuming that what he means is people started talking about big wins after that. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. It feels like there was a lot of big wins, certainly in the 90s, and that's just as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Um, uh, this week of all weeks, I'm not going to talk about some of the United ones. <laughs> um, but, you know, there definitely have, you know, there have been big wins before that, so that's a bit odd. But in terms of like the definition of it, like ground out win away from home, um scrappy um not necessarily like sometimes you get a winner that you thoroughly deserve and i think you know city were in control enough by the end you could argue they deserved it but if it had been nil nil it wouldn't have been a shock would it you wouldn't have been complaining about bad luck you'd have been talking about problems in the team yeah um so but yeah this was one of those where it was like didn't didn't necessarily think it was coming and then it did, and then you go, oh, that that is that is big. And obviously, yeah. as we've seen with City in that ru- that running we've mentioned, twenty eighteen nineteen. I actually put these in in my article that I wrote after the game at Goodison. Um, there were a few of those those one nils. Um, well, in, I asked, in that season alone. Yeah, I asked Twitter what City's uh, biggest one nil win was. Um, uh, and like we got some responses to this, I'm gonna I want to take you through a few of them because uh, I want to get your judgment on them. But um, we start with uh, the Ham Lawman on Twitter who suggested uh, Chelsea won City nil in the 2017-18 season. That was Centurion season. Should be clear here that uh, they thought I was asking about away games only and not home games. Um, yeah, but again, I think I kind of ties into what Adam was saying. Like yeah. it feels like big wins generally are away from home. Um, there was a Villa one at home last week, last season. When you know when Rodri was offside slash not offside, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That felt like a big one because that was one of those where City deserved to win. They kept missing chances and you think, how are they not winning? And then they eventually did. That felt like a big win. But yeah, they normally are away from home. Yeah. Um, uh, they said, I think whether the tick attacker would work in England was still in doubt. City was third the previous year and here they go into the bridge and legit boss the defending champions around. Game obviously felt close, but City had over 60% possession. It felt like so much more. Um, I think it was the first time I really felt that Pep could dominate in England. Uh, my only mm. issue with this is, can a big win come that early in the season? Yeah, exactly. If we're talking... Which, I mean, are we doing football cliches this week? Well, they we kind another, of are. They've the we? week off. That's what I mean. They've got the <laughs> week off. Um, it, in, in the sense of the big win we're talking about, it's not. It can't be that early in the season. However, you'd have to say that's one of the biggest wins of Guardiola's reign. Yeah. Like what he said then in terms of his personal feeling, that that was when he felt that City could actually play Guardiola's way. I, I think they had that effect for the whole squad. Yeah. Um, and obviously they went on from there to do to do great things. So that is that is one of the fundamental wins of Guardiola's reign. And when the time comes for him to leave and you look back at you know the five most important wins or ten most important wins or whatever, that'll be, you know, up, that'll there. be up there um after the Champions League final victory. Yeah, we'll uh <laughs> oh, good one, yeah. Um I, I hope that's this season then. Um Will uh, Matt Box's suggestion, Southampton won City nil in 2018, the goal that made it to no. 100 points, does that count as a big win? I don't think no. it does because no, it's, it's, a, it's a rotated team. You can't you can't have a big win on the final day of the matter. season when you've like, rotated the team. I mean, and it doesn't it doesn't have the same impact, does it? I mean, that has a very different impact and it's the same thing as the Chelsea thing. It was a, The Chelsea game was a big win for different reasons and that was a that had a big impact because it was 100 points and the hundred points are so different to winning the league by ninety-eight points. It just put a great crown on it, and it's one that like it's a season that nobody's ever going to forget. Um, and obviously, even City didn't do it the season after when they were great, and Liverpool didn't do it the season after that when they were great. Um, I think this season it's it will be very difficult to do it again. Um, I'd imagine City won't do it again, and I don't think Liverpool can do it again. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was it was special and it was huge, and I'm sure the people who were there, or even wherever they were watching, on the day, it was massive. But you, in terms of this specific football cliches definition, it no, doesn't count. Yeah, and Claudio Bravo was in goal when Edison was fit, so it was it, like it's a rotated team. You can't. Uh, oh yeah, Edison yeah. got booked for celebrating, didn't yeah, he? The big he got maniac. minus one from on the fantasy league because he didn't because he he didn't play, but got yeah, got himself got booked. booked. Yeah. Right. Um, Tim Corsa suggests City won Wigan nil in the 99 playoff semi-final second leg. Uh, the first leg was one all at Springfield Park. Um, yeah, I think I think I heard um, my. So I think we basically had this conversation in a, in a bar in Lisbon about tense the, the the tensest people have ever been at football matches, which has crossed over with some of these one nil wins. Yeah, this this and was that tense. Wigan one got mentioned. Was this an was this an was this the one that was an absolute robbery as well? Like, that was the only that was basically the only chance that he had. Oh yeah, Wigan Wigan were much the better team, and how they didn't yeah. get a penalty. Gerard Vikins put in a challenge where he basically wiped out their forward in the box, and the referee went, okay. "Ah, seems, seems fine." Um, my yeah. uh, my issue with this one, uh, and the reason why I don't think this 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 really counts, um, is because had it been nil nil. Uh, City would still have gone through on uh, away goals because uh, away goals okay. were still used in the in the playoffs at that point. So, um, I, like, I, 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 it's not one of them where they had to win it. If that makes sense, um, yeah. let's let's hear this. This is also from... it's I don't know, like it's a playoff. Like, like any kind of win in the playoffs is a big win, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd not even thought of it that way. But yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Um, let's say so this. So thanks for all your contributions, everyone. But they're all wrong. <laughs> well, we got a, we got a few more. This is from Rob McKay. Um, <laughs> uh, he's gone for City 1, Birmingham nil at the end of the 99-2000 season. It's kind of difficult, I think, to, to really put into the emotion uh, and the feeling of, of of that game. You know, even though it's it's 22 years this year, it was the kind of game we didn't really win in the past. We were in a bit of a different form. And, you know, we don't win that game. You know, we're definitely in the playoffs because Ipswich beat Charlton the, the, the next day. Uh, I think what he did on the night was, you know, the, the tension of, uh, of the game, it being, being on Sky and there being so much so much focus on it. I think, it, you know, taught us how, how to win the big occasion. And having done that, and obviously had that release, you know, the crowd, the crowd being on the pitch at full time and everyone going mental for us to... I think it kind of rolled over to the next week at Blackburn. You know, that resilience in that big game against Birmingham. I think that, you know, really made sure that we were capable of getting promoted the following week. I think if there's a pitch invasion afterwards, it definitely counts, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Chelsea players throwing their shirts into the crowd. Like, if, if the crowd had come to you, then yeah, that's next level, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Matthew Reader suggests uh, City 1-0 Spurs in 2019. This is the weekend after the VAR Champions League game. Yes. Hi, David and Sam. Love your work. My case for the April 2019 league run-in with Spurs being our biggest 1-0 win comes down to a number of factors. The heartbreak of the Champions League against the same opponent just days earlier, the intensity of the title race, and the goal coming from such an unlikely place with Phil bagging his only league goal of the campaign. When looked back upon in totality, that moment was absolutely massive. Up the blues. Absolutely <laughs> right, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we talk about this on last week's last week's pod? I can't remember. I've talked yeah, about this recently. Yeah, because we were recent. talking about Spurs, weren't we? Yeah. We were talking about Spurs, weren't we? So, yeah, definitely. Um, it was absolutely massive, that. Like, everybody was so flat. I think players and fans. Guardiola hadn't spoken to the players, had he, between the Champions League defeat and that game. Just kind of, I don't know if he just thought, fucking hell. I, <laughs> I don't know, just can't face life or whatever. We didn't speak to him. So everyone was so flat. And then, yeah, that was huge. And especially, again, in terms of like whether it was scrappy or a battle or whatever, they scored early, didn't they? Foden scored after, like, what, six minutes or something? Yeah. And then you're kind of not hanging on for the rest of it, but you don't get that second goal and it feels tight. And being so late in the season, you know, towards the end of April, that, in fact... God, there was a lot of other, you know. There was a lot in that run. <laughs> there was yeah. so many that season, wasn't there? Because I'm mine, mention one I don't think many people remember in a bit. But. Well, well, mine, mine was that. My suggestion was that Burnley game, which I must have been around the same yes. time. Must have been around. The this same was the time. conversation we had in Lisbon. About yeah, it. I think I mentioned this again recently. But this was the consensus of a lot of City fans who've been going for like 20, 30 years. Like the uh, the Burnley was the the most tense, kind of most sick they felt watching a, a City match. Um, and yeah, again, I think we mentioned we did mention this last week because it was when Burnley got a free kick at the end and like City got Guardiola had brought stones on for like yeah. whoever the forward was or whatever, and it was just like just need to blow this whistle. That's why it was like at Everton last night when so like when Stones went down injured and Edison as well. Edison was one of those where I was like, I'm sure it hurt, but he got the foul mate. Like I would like to have thought they were both injured because if you're wasting time here, you idiots. Yeah, just get up and like just get this match over with. You yeah. don't want the ref adding on loads of time like he did against Spurs last week and then them scoring. Anyway. Yeah. We'll, uh, get, back let's, we'll get back to that because we've got more suggestions. Uh, Elliot Levy suggests this one. City won Newcastle nil in May 2004. Um, it was the first season at the then City of Manchester Stadium and, and much was expected after a decent top-half finish on, 
our return to the Premier League the previous season. Um, unfortunately, things soon went south. Um, the signings of some big names like Seaman, Fowler, McManaman were really bad mistakes and we went into the final few games of the season precariously placed just above the bottom three. Um, relegation in the first year at the stadium would have been nothing short of a disaster. Sean Wright Phillips would have been sold off, Keegan would have left and who knows where we'd be now, probably like Sheffield Wednesday or Nottingham Forest, almost forgotten about. Um, not a lot was then expected against a good Newcastle side containing the likes of Speed, Robert and Shearer. But a, a brilliant one-shot header near the end all but assured the club of safety. And although the next three or four years weren't exactly glorious, it was as close as we'd get in the modern era anyway um, to going down before the takeover. My issue with this one is uh, Wright Phillips was sold That's off such anyway. That's an eloquent description. Oh yeah, I, I was thinking that. I was, and, and obviously like... This and Keegan left anyway. Yeah, years ago. But Keegan did leave anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, but, um, but it was it was good. a big win at the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, it's one of those way. I thinking of my definition for it, and I guess even Adam's definition for it. You do normally think title races, but obviously relegation battles. Um, you're going to have big wins in exactly the same way. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely counts. There's two more for us to finish with, and I know people are screaming at their phones at the moment because we haven't mentioned these. So we'll start off. uh, We'll start off. Yeah, we'll start off with Jules. My suggestion for City's most important one nil win is the one nil win against Leicester in 2019 when City and Liverpool were going for the title. It was a penultimate weekend of the season, and I've had to have a quick look at Wikipedia for some of the results here. Liverpool had already played on the Saturday. They played Newcastle and they beaten them 3-2. Milner had scored in the 92nd minute. That put them on 94 points. City were playing on the Monday against Leicester and they were on 92 points. But of course, they had that extra game in hand. Remember now, it was a cracking night. A great atmosphere that only a night game can bring. Packed Etihad as well as. And there was lots of nerves in that first half. Leicester were really, really well organised, if I can remember. Harry Maguire had a great game as well as. There was a few half chances for City and they could have broken once or twice as well as, but we held firm. After the break, nerves really started to kick in. Everyone's looking at the watches every two minutes. 20 minutes to go, there's an innocent Laporte pass and no one could have guessed what was going to happen next. Company took the ball rifled it 20 yards, 30 yards, top corner of the goal. The stadium erupted. Incredible noise. Then we still had 20 minutes to last out. Kalechi could have grabbed an equaliser. Who knows what he was thinking of when he put the ball wide. But we saw the game out, onto Brighton and eventually onto the title. That uh, th- there's a there's a key element in that game that I'd forgotten about that I think uh, does qualify for big wins is when you're checking your watch a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, that 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 definitely does count. Uh, like like a bit like I was saying yesterday with the extra, with the extra time and the the players going down. Don't 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 invite it. Like yeah. everyone is everyone is checking their watch. Everyone is shouting ref, come on, you know. Uh, yeah, de- yeah, definitely part of it. Uh, finally, the bland Sean has gone for uh, City's 1-0 win over United in 2012. I only got into football when I was a teenager. So growing up, the only team I ever heard about was Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. 
And then you were seeing them come to Manchester City looking for a draw to hold on to a points lead in a Premier League title race with Manchester City. I remember City being in control for most of the first half, but thinking to myself, they really need to take advantage here because they've had the better of it, but United are known for, you know, kicking them in the teeth at the end. So it gets to the corner, and I turned to my granddad and I said, Luke, they're knocking on the door here, but they need to knock it down. And as soon as I said that, Vincent Company pops up and puts the goal straight in. And it was like the tides of football and everything I'd heard of growing up had just changed right in front of me. City had knocked United off, pending that they were going to keep the result. And I feel like if City hadn't held on to that result, that they wouldn't have gone on to win the Premier League and probably wouldn't have consistently won trophies since that. They would have won something, but nothing near what they have done now. Now, I feel almost embarrassed to have completely forgotten about this game because when I quote tweeted your tweet after the Everton match, I was like, oh, it's Burnley. It's comfortably Burnley. That That is the biggest win that I've seen and completely mm. forgot that this 1-0 win happened. Yeah, maybe it's because it's the away from home element with the Burnley and stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing you can say other than that it's just a stone cold example of a big win like it's massive isn't it, it yeah. again it's one of those if you, we talked about the the Chelsea game for Guardiola's reign but if you talk about like the kind of modern city era then that game um, as well as I suppose the, the FA Cup semi-final which was 1-0 one, one but I wouldn't you can't call it the same thing in a, in a, in a knockout game yeah. but you know what I mean those those big victories especially the ones against United that's kind of turned things around and the ones meeting the criteria of 1-0 not necessarily scrappy but certainly tense yeah. yeah. Did, did we mention did list. we mention the one that that you that you were thinking of or is it has it not popped up? No. Um I I don't think it I don't know maybe it did feel like it at the time or maybe it was one of those that you only get bestowed with being important at the end of the season because now we start saying oh at the end of the season we'll look back on this one. But the one I'm thinking of maybe actually only did get that status towards the end of the season or maybe even now but Bournemouth do you remember Bournemouth away because it was right at the start of March so it was basically the same kind of game week as the one we've just had in terms of time of the year because this obviously being the end of Feb this one was like the 3rd of March or something like that Um, and it was the one where Bournemouth didn't even have a shot didn't even have a shot on on target obviously didn't have a corner I barely had like a free kick or anything to get in the box City just went you're not having anything today lads did did Klopp absolutely but, lose his head about the way City scored because it, because Mahrez scuffed it in I don't remember that I seem, I I seem to remember him, him saying something like oh they got a really lucky goal with I like it, it, it bounced in off, off like 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 the the sort of the, the sort of comment where he's like I can't believe that that one has gone in right I don't remember that um but I, I, I I'll take your word for it but it, it was Mahrez's first season he wasn't playing particularly well was he uh, you know, like basically everyone, and it was. I remember tweeting. I think because I think he came on at half time or not long after. Which if if he did, probably go to show that Guardiola wasn't too pleased with how the things were going. Um, I was like, right, Mara's time to shine, kind of thing. And then he did score, but yeah, right foot, proper, proper scrappy. And then I say City held on, um, but there, there was no threat from Bournemouth whatsoever because he did strangle it. But I, you know, that's that's kind of up there for another one of those. Big wins, whether it's an uh, you know an official football cliches certified big win or not, I don't know, but it certainly counts as one of those tight, tense wins on the way to a title. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, uh, now that we've, uh, I feel like we've uh, like we've really properly wrung that dry. Um, let's actually get in and analyze the, uh, the Everton game, Sam, because uh, something struck me with this, with this one. Um, we talk all the time about how City don't, generally start playing better after a bad start but they did here didn't they this this was the first um, half I, I was I was genuinely fearing the worst at like at half time thinking like off the back of the, of the of the way it went against Spurs they're not playing well here at all by the end of the second half I was thinking yeah okay City haven't been brilliant but they do deserve to win this game ultimately they, they've had them they've had much better of it in the second half mm-hmm. um so well I mean what changed at half time do you think to, to kind of force that yeah, well, I mean, if I knew you were going to ask me this, I wish I would have asked Guardiola. Um, Sorry. Honestly, <laughs> Zoom press conferences are the worst. Um, but yesterday's was a shambles. And I was going to ask him, I was like, if I had one question, it was going to be, and, and Guardiola referenced it in one of his earlier answers, and I was I was going to ask, or like, yeah, I, I would have put my little E hand up and said, right, okay, this would have been the question. Because Guardiola mentioned, you know, there was there was things that were different after half time. I was going to ask what you know what did you actually change, but it was such a mess. You know, people couldn't hear who was supposed to be asking the question. They asked the question, couldn't hear Guardiola's answer, and then after like three questions from the first guy, like, the second guy asking said, "Yeah, we couldn't hear your first answer, Pep. Can you just talk about um, Zinchenko in Ukraine again?" It was oh for fuck's sake, just interminable. So I just thought, let's just get this over with. I know I'm writing anyway. We'll go we'll go back to it another day. So. Didn't ask, um, but looking at it, I've got the. I'm watching the game now on kind of triple speed to try and work it out. Um, I don't know if part of it was just Everton dropping off, you know, in the way that as soon as City scored, Everton suddenly had the ball again. Like, yeah. Because in football, you just you can't legislate for that. No matter how good you are, as in terms of City specifically, at controlling games, if you score, the other team are just going to have the ball again. And I don't know if it's a bit like you know where Klopp mentioned at Etihad uh, at Anfield at the start of the season. Um, they just, you know, they they drop too much. Uh, may, maybe part of that, but also I think City, they seem to work harder to have combinations in in the wide areas. You know, by putting Foden as a false nine and then having him drift out, you kind of got back. And if you, like Bernardo was everywhere in that game, and not necessarily in the good sense. You know, when Bernardo's in midfield and he, he's everywhere and he's great. Yes, yeah. he was moved around everywhere, and he put the ball in from the left for the goal, didn't he? Um, but you think of the kind of the link-ups down the left-hand side that you've had in recent weeks, where whether it was at Norwich and it was you know Sterling, Gundogan, and Zinchenko, or whether it was, uh, let's say Sporting with Cancelo and Foden and Sterling again, like you, they managed to get for a time or a bit at that time anyway, Cancelo, Foden, Bernardo linking up on the right-hand side. There was more link-ups. It seemed like the 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 players were spaced out a bit better, whereas I know you would probably want to be compact at Goodison away. And we know with Guardiola, and you know you got you make got to make the extra pass in midfield to make sure you're compact and stop the counter attack. But it felt like everybody was kind of on top of each other in the first half, partly because Everton. So again, if we're talking about City's problems or relative problems in the first half. It wasn't just that they were sloppy, or if they were sloppy, I think a lot of it was because Everton had made them that. 
Yeah, um, they, I, and it was like the Southampton game. Yeah, that's that was that was my gut feeling with the difference with the Spurs game. I, I said on last week's show, I wasn't, I was worried about the the Spurs performance because I didn't feel like Spurs were putting City under pressure. Everton were definitely putting City under pressure. Yeah, big time. They, it was the same. It was the same kind of thing as Southampton in a different way. You know, it wasn't the same shape of how they did it, but it was uh, stop Rodri getting the ball, um, or like make it like put Rodri under pressure when he does get it, but also. Be ready to go and press, or already be on the people he's always he's already going to pass to, or already you know he's planning to pass to. So then it was just so scrappy, and there was those times when you know City tried to get those little rondos going, but it was almost like we talked about that in the past, haven't we? Where they're so good, if there's like a, a loose ball, one of them can take the sting out of it a bit. The next, the next one will take the sting out of it a bit more, and the third one will just control it, and City will be going again. But it just seemed like City yesterday. They had to really play their passes really quickly and intricately to get through the Everton kind of pressure and physicality. But it just seemed like the faster they were going, the more out of control they were. And then they'd yeah. lose it and then Everton would attack again. And it became a bit up and down. Um, I think Guardiola mentioned how they were just a bit more precise with their passing in the second half. I don't know if you can just become better at that. Or Guardiola says, well, if you move here and you pass here, then you know, you'll have a bit more time and space or whatever. So it was that. It was that kind of thing. I think maybe a mixture of the two of Everton possibly just dropping deep a bit. Because I remember Allen robbing the ball off De Bruyne a couple of times in the first half, like 35 yards out. And then obviously if you rob it there, you can play the ball up, up to Richarlison and you're going to be in the box. And they did that. But like there was no, there was no real opportunity for Everton to even win the ball in the City half for most of the second half. Yeah, It was just played in the Everton half. And when they did win the ball, it was harder to break. They didn't really break. It felt, like it, was like, one of the- it felt like after half time, though, that, that when City were were moving the ball around, the in the first half it felt like they couldn't work out the overload. They couldn't get that pass to to release somebody on the on the left or the right. And there was a number yeah. of times where in the second half they they managed to find that kind of extra pass, draw in the extra Everton player, and mm. then the pass wide to it was usually Cancelo on the uh, on the left. It was on. And yeah. then suddenly City were, you know, 20, 30 yards further forward and, and higher up the pitch. There was a stat that came up in, in the first half um, in, in, in terms of possession areas. And in City's defensive third, the play was about 26%. And in Everton's attack, uh, defensive third, it was about 25%. And it just kind of, like, it's never that balanced between the two kind of yeah. attacking and defensive thirds for City. And yet in the first half, it was. And then in the second half, it will have been absolutely nothing like that because City were just yeah. controlling the ball a lot better. Yeah, another thing Guardiola said as well was, um, he said they, they, couldn't, they struggled to find Bernardo in the first half. But then like they moved him out to the right and they were able to do that better. But I mean, the question is, and again, this is another thing I was going to ask, but on a, I mean, obviously it's not great, but I just thought the Zoom was just awful. I just thought I'd, I'd, I'm not getting, not getting involved in this. Like, yeah, it's, it's a shambles. Um, but it's, and also I was thinking with the Bernardo one, because sometimes after a game, especially this game, because if, you, if City win 4-0 and you ask a question, Guardiola's not going to think you're having a go really. But a game like this where it was imperfect enough, I was thinking, if I ask this question about why you're doing this tactically, it might just be like, nah, fuck this. Yeah, you're you know, not getting an answer. You're not, you're not slagging me off. But if you go to you know, the next press conference or before a game, you can be like, oh, why are you doing this? And he might be like, yeah, okay, it's be- this is why. But he's, So he said they found Bernardo better in the second half. But uh, the question really is, why are you putting him up front now? Like, why, uh, why did you have to put him on the right to find him? Like, I mean, again, what what do I know? But uh, 
play Mares on the right, like f- fucking normally do, and he's really good, and put Bernardo in midfield where he's been great all season. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What else? What? But yeah, um, Bernardo kind of did have, have a bigger influence, but but they're so good at they're so good at on the right hand side getting getting the ball out wide and, and the other one making the underlap. And then playing it back to them, you know the way they got the penalty at Arsenal. Yeah, that, there's better examples, but that's the one I can think of. And it's like, but you've got like Mares are so good at that, and Bernardo can play inside him as a number eight and do that. It, it is very odd that they've they've gone away from that. Um, yeah, but we well, you know we'll, we'll see how they get on against United at home. That traditionally easy game in the last yeah years. yeah. But um, I want to go back to one thing you said at the start in terms of we normally say City don't normally recover after a difficult start. I would say that's normally after going a goal down. Yeah, yeah, I'll accept that. I do think, I, because I, I think there's been a couple of examples this season again, uh, like, for instance, Southampton away, where I didn't feel they started particularly well. Um, but again, they recovered. I felt they recovered the performance. I mean, ironically, they did go a goal down in that one, and that so it doesn't really prove the uh, the point that, you, that you're making. Um, but yeah, no, I do I do take that. Um, I, ju- I just, I, I, what I'm getting at really is that sense that um, I think some of us have where the performance starts badly and you go, they just ain't getting anything here today. Yeah, you, I you thought after about 20 feeling. minutes, after about 20 minutes, I was like, if Everton score, no, I thought if, if City score, it'll probably calm down. And, it, you know, it'll go like this kind of, like the second half did. They'll have control and you know, get a second one and that'll be it. But I was thinking, if Everton score, that might be it, you know. And, like, obviously, they, they did recover well against Southampton after going a goal down and they did play well and they did just reestablish that control. And, okay, they didn't win. But, like we said, we've talked about that a few times and they did well. Um, but yeah, I just thought yesterday, I was like, oh, it's because it was one of those as well where you didn't really get at Southampton. There was a good atmosphere at Southampton. They were kind of up for it because, you know, they had a marching band beforehand and they seemed to like that, which was, you know, each to their own. <laughs> but, but like every time Everton like pressed and like won a throw in or whatever, the fans were loving it and giving them loads of encouragement and stuff. And it, it, that all kind of built into the this kind of feeling. And like it, it was a... You know, it felt a bit like, in that sense, it felt a bit like the 4-0 defeat in Guardiola's first season. And the only reason I say that is because it's the only time, really, that City have struggled at Everton in, you know, five or six years that I can yeah. remember. Certainly under Guardiola. But that's the kind of, that is the exact game you don't want at Goodison. When the fans are actually on the player's side and they're making life difficult for you. That's the Everton away that you dread. But in reality, the Everton away that City have had in the last four years has been just go. They're going to sit off you. The fans will be pissed off with their own team because because the players are sitting off and you can do what you want. Yeah. But yeah, yesterday was the exact game you do not want at Goodison. And yeah. again, that's why it goes down as a big win. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say exactly that because they won it. Um, I just want to touch on Phil Foden, Sam, because we 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 keep I keep seeing on Twitter that he needs to have a big game and he needs to he needs to put in a performance that sort of thing. We talked about him a few weeks ago, um, but it is now three goals in four games for him. Uh, just want yeah. to read you this tweet that uh, Ali Fogg wrote uh, after the game. It's his third goal in four games, and in every single one of them, he's been he's just calmly controlled the ball while the defenders and keeper have tumbled like Keystone cops around him. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of it highlights what he's been like in the box. I think for City in the last few weeks, he's been he, he might not have he, he might not have been doing the eye catching stuff that that uh, we we think of Foden. Do, yeah, that he can do. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's quite calmly put his foot on the ball. You know, wiggled it round a bit, found the net. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's strange because you talk about composure inside the area. You're thinking of ball comes into the box, bang, you sweep it in, expert finish. 
thanks for coming kind of situation. But you, Foden hasn't quite got that. But you can't argue with the fact. I mean, but what he has got, I'm, I'm not saying like no other striker in the world has got, you know, he, he's therefore he's the best. But the goals he has been scoring that Ali mentioned there, and I actually I put the similar in my article. You know, he's done it a lot recently. It reminded me of the sporting one. You know, when the ball came to him and he just like, nudged it around the keeper and just put it in, the keeper would just look completely. Yeah, yeah. Another... As what May said, he looked like a guy who'd been roped into going goal in five aside at that point. <laughs> like Foden just like just completely took him out of the game. Which I don't even I don't know if he meant to do that with Pickford, but his but first did, touch yeah. was just immaculate. And then he just went, well, I'm going to put this in then. The thing the thing with that, the, the Everton goal and the thing with the sporting goal is that both of them, he wouldn't have seen them because they both come yeah. from a, like the defender exactly. in front of him, not not just just not seeing the ball and not playing the ball. This is why I think he it's kind of different. It. Because it's kind of different because obviously like strikers in the six yard box, you get a chance to put it in or whatever, but it's kind of, it's because he's not a striker, is he? Like, so when I saw, when you talk, when I talk about he's not clinical in the same way or composure in the same way as a striker, when, you know, they get the ball in the box and just side foot it into the corner and it's a great finish and you go, yeah, of course, what, you know, that's a classic Kane finish or Van Persie finish or Haaland finish or whatever, but it's because he's not a striker, but he is a midfielder with super, like um, amazing technique. And like the way we talk about the way he receives the ball on the back foot, or like his first touch. That do you remember in the in the first half, when it was a, the switch of play um, from kind of the left or the, the centre left to the to the right wing, and Foden brought it down. It was kind of like a Zidane touch. Yeah, he, he did amazing. the defender and then, got a low crossing. The second one, yeah. But then the second one, he he kind of messed it up. But like his his touch is so good, and the kind of the the chances that City create in terms of getting you, you know, they always said about Guardiola. You know, he gets you from the goalkeeper to the 18-yard box and the forwards do the rest. You know, I've said before, it's almost like at City, he's found a way to get you from the goalkeeper to the six-yard box. And then, you know, whoever's in the box has to actually finish. So they're unique in the way that they kind of create those chances. And Foden, because he's a midfielder with that technique, but he's obviously developed this understanding of the runs that he needs to make and the positions he needs to be in. It's just... The touch is just... It's just seems to be always right but it's not yeah. because he's a great poacher or a great finisher it's because he's a great midfielder almost a great player with great technique and yeah um we we talked about him before um you know maybe maybe he hasn't had as great a season but also i think he's definitely had a quieter season because the false nines are quite a role you know as as i've said before you're going to make far more passes in the center circle than you are of touches in the box but um it just goes yeah it goes to show with these goals recently yeah, the what, composure he's got on him is unbelievable, really. Yeah, what touches they've been in the box, indeed. Um, I had to laugh, Sam. I watched Match of the Day's uh, highlights earlier on, and uh, in the build-up <laughs> to the goal, uh, Guy Mowbray said, uh, he, he, as, as the City were building it up, he, put, he, he went Laporte. He won't shoot from 30 yards. And I thought, you've not been watching Laporte long enough, uh, Guy. <laughs> I, I turned to our Everton guy next to me. I went, if he shoots here, they should sack him. <laughs> it was the same thing as Walker last week. Like... Yeah, uh, but I it might I've got I've got the game on now. I'm watching it. Still trying to work out exactly what changed. Um, no, it's it's not just yet. But I'm on about 75 minutes, and it's around then, isn't it? It's like don't just like you would be mad if you were to do this now. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't see the match of the day highlights. But if I'd have heard that, I, I certainly would have um, started a thread on Blue Moon about it. <laughs> um, De Bruyne picked his game up uh, after half time. I thought as well. First half, um, I didn't think he was great. Second half, I thought he was very good. Yeah, um, 
first half, like 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 I mentioned, Alan a couple of times all over him. I think it was I the pressure. Like, I, I, yeah, I think it was the pressure more than anything else. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I suppose what you would say with you know teams as good as City and you know players as good as De Bruyne, you're like, okay, well, you know, just just play around it then. But it's it's obviously not always that simple. But obviously, the thing with De Bruyne is seemed to get to a stage a few weeks ago when it was okay. He's obviously not been fit over Christmas. He's had all these setbacks, but he's playing through it, and now he's getting back to his best. And now it's kind of like, um, is is he getting back to his best? You know, he's had he's had a few games where it's the kind of wasteful post injury De Bruyne, which I think is still the case. You know, I, I I still think the injuries we talked about this before. The injuries he had at the end of last season, the head injury and the ankle injury um, with Belgium. Yeah, and then he had COVID back a bit. Year, and I yeah. still think, yeah, I, and I still think that that's having an, an effect now. But again, it's like we talked about it last week, and like people have been like, "Oh, Rodri's been off it at the minute." I was like, "Are we blaming Rodri, or are we blaming what's going on ahead of him?" Like in his first season, I'm not going to go into it again. The amount of times I talked about it, but he was he was asked to do all the stuff he's not good at or less good at in his first season, and not the stuff he can do. So no wonder we all thought, "Who, who the fuck's this guy?" Um, and it's it's similar in the last couple of games. Okay, like Christ, he gave the ball away so often against Spurs. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. But it's like we can't really have a go squarely at him for not looking the same. If you know City are losing the the ball ten yards ahead of him, and then the pass is just going down the side of him. Of course, he's going to look immobile. He got no time to react. Yeah. And like De Bruyne was one of those losing the ball yesterday, as we mentioned. Um, but again, it was just part of that. Um, the Everton pressure, but also the, just the just the feeling that and look, City might play with Bernardo on the right wing again, and you know De Bruyne and Gundogan in the midfield and whatever, and all these things we don't like, and maybe Stones at right back or whatever, and no Mares, and maybe they'll play that against United and they'll win six nil, and we'll be like, okay, yeah, this is great. And I'll write an article saying, oh, I didn't really work; it was just teething problems in the first couple of games, but this is Guardiola's great plan, and it was amazing, and it came to fruition against United. But like for now, I am definitely thinking like what. Like what does what is the what is the thought process there? Yeah. Um, but you know we will we will find out one day. I will ask him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't want to spend, or didn't want to spend too long on the VAR stuff, Sam, because I do find it particularly tedious. Else. But uh, I, we do oh, kind Christ. of have to, um, yeah, we have to talk about. I this don't know lot, if but... it is tedious. I mean, I suppose it is tedious, but fucking. <laughs> well, when, so let, let me we, we let me just let, let me just read it, this tweet. This tweet because um, all the way through the game, I was I was really I was getting quite annoyed by the fact that uh, Richarlison kept winning free kicks uh, by backing in, backing in and backing into Laporte or Diaz. And then as soon as the contact was there, go down and get free kick. And it's like, you're strong enough yeah, when... He's, he's when yeah, you, you, were a bit, you, were, you were strong enough when you were backing in. But as soon as anything came the other way, it was down you go, free kick given. Um, and this tweet from Andy Edwards kind of sums it up because uh, he says, um, I felt like Everton got all their decisions in small installments over the course of the game. Uh, the number of super soft free kicks given them to, the, to relieve pressure. Uh, we took ours in one lump sum. <laughs> I mean, it's a hell of a fucking lump sum. <laughs> and, and I know people are going to be... Li- the thing is... Um, I, yeah. Look, after the week 
the week that it's been in terms of is there an agenda, isn't there an agenda? I mean, it's quite a handy um it's quite a handy little example, isn't it? You know, that's a, a big decision that's gone in City's favour. But you'll still you know, there's been uh, since I left the ground to when I got home, I noticed when I checked Twitter when I got in, I was like, okay, so there's loads of City fans now just saying, okay, well, it wasn't the penalty. And fuck, honestly, can't, the, what I'm going to say, and I mean this honestly, and we'll get into the kind of minutiae, the, the, the rules, the laws. If that was Liverpool, you would never hear the end of it. Like, whether it was whatever kind of City fan you are, whether you're placid or angry or agenda or not agenda, You'd be fucking livid about it, and so would I. And it, you know, when Liverpool were getting those kind of scrappy wins, their big wins. You know, they had loads of big wins in 2018, 19 as yeah. well. They just didn't actually add up to anything. They that, had loads that, of those big wins. That Newcastle game that got mentioned. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was but, funny how he was like, "Oh, Liverpool beat Newcastle." I was like, "Yeah, I think everyone fucking remembers that one." Yeah, because I think they, two, they, I think two of the goals shouldn't have stood. Yeah. I, always, I just noticed, I always swear towards the end of the podcast, it's like Guardiola getting good in the embargo section of the press conference. <laughs> Sometimes he swears as well, but not as often. But um, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, if if Liverpool had got it, I'm sorry, but we'd all be living. And I was going to say, so and when Liverpool were getting those wins, like loads of other fans as well, it wasn't just City fans, but loads of other neutrals were kind of angry about it as well, because I think I'm right in saying, whether Liverpool fans listen to this and think what you're talking about, I'm sure they'll agree. Loads of neutral fans or not Liverpool fans did not want them to win the title. And that was that was what happened. And everyone was really pissed off about it. And I just think if that was Liverpool, you'd be livid. But I'm not saying people aren't livid about it already. You know, all I could see on Twitter when I left was this should be a penalty, this should be a penalty. And at the time I was like, because I went on the Sky Sports Twitter account to look for the highlight of Foden's goal so I could watch it again when I was writing my article. Um, and the, there was like three posts already since then. One was like Michael Richards saying it's, it's a robbery. One was like a video of the incident. One was like a picture of like Rodri, the, the ball hitting his arm. And I was like, but it was an offside in the build-up. So that's why it wasn't given. What the hell's going on here? And then obviously the press conferences happened and Guardiola was like, yeah, it was, they told me it was offside. And Lampard was like, no, they didn't tell me it was offside. And then the Premier League say, um, no, there was no offside. It would, it just, it just wasn't handball. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I know, so I know what City fans are saying. There was an offside in the build-up, and if the, if if the handball had have been given, then they'd have gone back to the offside anyway. The only thing I'd say about that is City fans will remember at Brighton when Brighton had a penalty. There was a massive offside in the build-up, and they just didn't bother. They just yeah. gave the penalty, and yeah. it was only like ten seconds difference. Yeah, um, so they wouldn't necessarily have given the offside. Maybe, maybe they would have. Maybe it was different. But they, that they one, yeah, they'd have to on. judge whether Edison making the save and then it coming to Rodri as a new phase of play, wouldn't they? That's that's which the... I think they probably would because wasn't that the thing with 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 Brighton? Yeah, so, I don't know. I so really there's no don't guarantee remember. there. The, um, but the thing is, again, like I've said this before, it's not it's not necessarily what the point is that people are looking at these days. It's who's making the point. And obviously I've got a big target on my back this week for being the big bad agenda guy, but I've said, you know, and I can see, I can feel people saying already, Oh, you're criticizing the laws now because they've gone in city's favor. But everyone says all season, the handball laws these days are a joke. Nobody knows what's what. And even last week, if you want to turn this into a pro city thing, you can say, um, why wasn't Romero booked for his handball last week against against um, City? You know, isn't that handball? Nobody knows what the hell is going on with handball anymore. And like, 
it wasn't better a couple of seasons ago when if it just hit your hand, it was a penalty. But the way they've kind of like they tried to stop that Lorente situation happening, haven't they? By like saying, okay, well, it's just your shirt sleeve now. But is it almost because the wording isn't great in the rule in the law book, and now there's yeah. this red zone, which I don't think most football fans would have heard of until yesterday. You know, it didn't hit him in the red zone, which is basically below the sleeve. But is it like goal line technology? Like if it hits a bit of your sleeve, like if it hits a bit of the line, it's not a goal. Because that must be it. <laughs> well, the, like, Because it hit the, a bit of his was, sleeve. The comparison I, I, I was thinking of is, um, do you remember... I'm just watching it now, actually. It's come uh, up on the game. Do you remember um, Southampton uh, last season? Phil Foden didn't get a penalty. When, yeah, yeah, um, unbelievable. Yeah, when, when I can't remember if it was in goal, but... Um, he, uh, he took, uh, McCarthy, I think, actually. No, it wasn't Forster, um, it was McCarthy. Yeah, he took it. He Forster's basically just, took him out. Yeah, and the referee didn't give it, and the VAR said, well, we've not got enough conclusive evidence to show that he took him out. That he didn't... That, that the, the line was that he didn't... That We haven't got the conclusive evidence to say that he didn't touch the ball. And here the, mm. the, the VAR was saying, we haven't got the conclusive evidence to say that the ball touched only, his, only the red zone. And it's like, well... It definitely did touch the red zone, though, didn't it? That's like <laughs> that's as, that, that's as far as it goes. Yeah, Foden was yeah, definitely yeah. clipped by the goalkeeper. Like there's mm. there's there's a clear evidence here that that uh, that that happened the way it did. And I think I, I actually think it's fair to say um, that you know sometimes we can be all right, and sometimes as City fans we can go, yeah, we got away with one there. It's, oh yeah, like, loads, loads absolutely of fine can. to say that. Yeah, like I saw I saw um, Stat City say if that if that goes against City. Because again, never mind if it being Liverpool. If City hadn't got a penalty for that, Jesus, my, my head's clean like, off if that happens. He yeah. said, "Yeah, he said it goes if that goes against City. I'm never watching football again." Simple as that, really. Like, yeah, um, like, okay, we can talk about okay. The, the the laws are obviously this, and these are the things with VAR. Like, remember the Arsenal fans getting so angry about Edison not giving away a penalty. And it was like, if they'd have given it in the first place, they probably would have given it on VAR. But there was no real, there was one angle which made it look like a foul, but the other ones were just like, okay, we can't really tell. So because of the, the weird intricacies of VAR and the weird wording of the laws of the game, you get these weird decisions where you think, that's obviously this, but VAR say, well, it's not. And this is one of those. Yeah. Um, and you can just, obviously just point to the letter of the law because clearly it wasn't handball. There's no way. Like because there's no there's no world in which the Premier League are conspiring to give City the title by by giving them decisions like that's just which is pres- presumably what's being said elsewhere on the internet. There's just no way that's that's right. So okay, in what world must that not be a handball? It's within the fucking the way the the, the laws are in with yeah. within the way the VAR works. It's obviously not a penalty for good reason. Yeah. But, just on if, the... but us watching it as football fans, if we're being honest with ourselves, if we had to make that decision, not knowing fully exactly what the the ins and outs are, we would say that is one hundred percent a penalty. Yeah. You, you would, we would all, everybody would give that. If that, if these were two teams of AI robots playing with no coloured shirts on, I am convinced, like 99 percent of people are giving that as a penalty, and that's why if like other fans are livid about it, I completely get it. Because I would have given that as a penalty, but clearly, like there is some kind of weird intricacy of the laws and VAR where it, where it obviously isn't. Because there's no alternative, there is no reason why not to give that if it's not 
within the scope of the laws of the game. Yeah. Because there's not a conspiracy to hand city the title, is there? Like there just isn't. Yeah. Um just on the offside bit in the in the builder, watching it back, um I, obviously, you know, we we talked about whether Richarlison would have been flagged offside if the VAR had gone back and checked it. Let's assume that that you know, if he'd given it then he would have they would have gone back and checked it and he would have been would have um been flagged as offside. Um, the free kick that Edison took after the play, the, re- the referee is clearly shown uh, on the screen yes. indicating a, a, an offside. Um, there is an offside after the incident. It's, yeah, it, there was, it, yeah it, that's it what I thought. Yeah. Right, right by the touchline, and that's where Edison takes the free kick from. So that, in, yeah. like for me, that's the offside that's been given. And um, yeah, well, Premier League, the, the, Premier League the, said uh, there yeah. was no offside. In and the also the, the 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 footage right. that um that was put up on the screen after the fact um it said on like the VAR details said VAR checking possible penalty uh, decision no handball so and I think that I think no handball was um mm. was announced in Goodison Park as well over the over the um VA system uh, I, I thought I, I thought that's what it was I, I thought I got that on the TV coverage that um it was checking possible penalty by I don't think they uh, I don't think Robert. they announced anything maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong. And then I thought they said... Too busy um, look. Like, so so in, in terms of my emotions, I think, look, we've talked about the ins and outs of it now. But so it was one of those when, you know, the players go mad um, and you just think, oh, you know, because there's some where they appeal for a penalty, but then, you know, they, they concentrate on where the ball is. There's yeah. some where they appeal for a penalty and it's just all they can do for about five or 10 seconds. And you think, oh God, what's going on? We had a screen next to us. There's one, like one or maybe two in the press box. Everyone kind of turned to it. And I saw it. I was just like, oh, fucking hell. Like that is a penalty. Yeah. Like I wasn't thinking, you know, because again, I don't know, don't know what all the laws are. And I've never heard of this red zone before, which, okay, sorry. I'm kind of paid to be a journalist, but I'm not great on the, these actual things. Um, but saw it and just thought, oh my God. And not just how is it, well, how has he managed to handball it in that situation? But, are they going to score a big goal like Mahrez last week and then let it go again? Like, can you imagine? Two weeks running really conversation yeah. we'd be having now. Yeah. Uh, that, like, I, I used the word unforgivable last week, but to do it twice. Like, I think I'd, it, we'd be having the conversation. I know what I'd be saying. I'd be saying, look, the title race isn't over because there's a long way to go, but it'd be one of them, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you, like, if you, if you have, don't want it to be over soon, you've got to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it, it kind of, it changes the conversation and, uh, the 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 you know the feelings well, I was going to say overwhelmingly positive they're not overwhelmingly positive are they because still on that the Q and A which is you know a good kind of guide and obviously Twitter's another one and just speaking to to but using your own eyes like it's not it wasn't one of those great reaction wins from City where they storm back and go yeah they're brilliant again it was like a, oh you know there's still there's still enough con- concerns um, but obviously to get the win that that obviously that changes everything doesn't it yeah. Um, I want to finish this week, Sam, with uh, a quick word on uh, the crowd at Goodison because Cole Palmer and uh, I think you said Zach Steffen were spotted in there as well. Well, I love it. I, I love saw, a good photo with, with where it's yeah. where it's limbs in the away end and the City players in there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So you sent me the tweet and like, Palmer, and then somebody replied saying there's another two current City players in that as well. Uh, he said, and apart from Foden, because Foden was in it celebrating. And then somebody replied saying, "Oh, is it Stefan?" He was like, "Yeah, good spot." And then I just couldn't see the other one. And I'm, it's like if I do a, a quiz question or something, or like, can you name ten whatever, or name all of these, I'll have a go. And then if I can't think of it after about thirty seconds, I'd say, "Fuck it, I'm, I'm not doing it again." Just tell me the answer. <laughs> so I looked at it and I thought, "Okay." I, it took me long enough to find Stefan. I went, "Okay, he's there," and he was around Palmer. So I thought maybe they're all together, but I couldn't for the life of me work out. Or, or just find who the other one was. And I didn't have the patience to 
to carry on. But apparently there were there were three at least current city players in the away end yesterday, which is nice, isn't it? You like that? that yeah. I mean, that's a wasn't in fact was it Everton a couple of years ago where Harwood, Bellis, and Doyle were? That rings a bell. Oh, that's a shout! I forgot about that. Yeah, that rings a bell. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's an easy win, isn't it? Like if ever if ever you were a footballer and needed good PR, just turn up in the away end yeah. and you're laughing. Um, but yeah, no, that that's very good. I think Stefan must have a bad back. He's not been around for a while, has he? And he had a bad back. He pulled out of the America national team for the last internationals. I can't I don't imagine. Think he's uh, since, I can't imagine so. jumping around the away end at Goodison has helped. I know. Back, yeah. To be honest. Um, yeah, he, he's young though, Dave. Don't forget, like if, uh, that, if that was us, it'd be a, bit, a big problem. Well, I have got a bad sure. back as well, so it, like, yeah, sure. it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, he got his hands on the inflatables. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. I, uh, I, I'd like to find out actually. So, if uh, if anybody listening has got those inflatables now, let me know. I'd like to know. Uh, let's know. Yeah, what, I wonder what route yeah. they took. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they went home with the with the rightful owners. Yeah. The pineapple should definitely make an appearance again. It was a good addition to the match day experience, I would say. <laughs> I think that's the perfect place to end this week's show, Sam. So uh, thank you very much for listening to today's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And yeah, um, thanks everyone for listening as always and for being nice and and supporting. It's, it is appreciated. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £1 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.